Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Hi, Stacey. Good morning, John. How are you doing? I am on top of the world. If you can be on top of the world when the outside looks like the apocalypse is right over the hill. Yeah. You guys are still in the midst of it, aren't you, over there? Um, the fires, I think, are still going. The the smoke is still hanging in the air. Um, you guys are safe, though, now, right? So, you're, so you and you and uh, uh, Heather are in a location that is safe, but still the air is unbreathable, correct? The, the air is unbreathable, and it's worse because, because there, there's so many fires on the West Coast that it was as dark as the middle of the night till 9.30 in the morning yesterday. And the sky, it's, the sky itself is that color the sky gets before a tornado when you know something really bad is going to happen. It's been like that for three days. Um, um, so, so, so we're hoping for some blue sky. Yeah, yeah. Well, We'll, we'll send some wishes for some clean, fresh air your way, Colorado's way. I think you're dealing with that. And pretty much the entire sort of west beyond Mississippi, right? We're seeing smoke hanging in the air for everyone. Um, we're on the east coast here on the other side dealing with various forms of thunderstorms and possible hurricanes coming up the coast. Um, but I think, you know, we're, we're heading into the fall one way or another. We will get through uh, the natural disaster season of, you know, August and into September and uh, start to hit uh, cold season again. Um, here in North Carolina, we're doing fairly well. The temperatures have dropped. Um, I think like everybody else here, um, we went from, you know, 90 plus degree weather, 100 plus degree weather down to, I think we're in the 70s this week, which is just completely unusual for this time of year. Um, but hey, can't complain. We've got some sunshine and we can see the sky. So we're we're in a, in a little bit better position than you are, John. So sorry, but you're more than welcome to come this way at some point if you need to. <laughs> there you go. I thought we may be there tomorrow. Um, yeah. The the <laughs> question the question is how's how's the, the sort of processing of all the information going on? You you must be peeking oh. through that. <laughs> Yeah, so you're probably hearing a little gruff this morning. I've, been, I've, I've definitely been putting in a lot of late nights um, doing data crunching and cleaning and analysis. Um, so for those of you who, who sort of know the work that I do, um, we do the annual CR Cedar um, HR System Survey, um, now under Sapient Insights Group, which is our new company. And it, it's been fascinating to see the data. We already got some, some interesting data that we'll probably be launching a little bit early on some of the questions we asked about COVID-19 um, and, the, and the direction organizations were taking. Some of it, I think, is assumed. Um, some of it will be interesting and new insights about sort of the kind of missing data um, organizations needed and didn't have uh, for the um, COVID-19 crisis. So that'll be coming out a little bit sooner than, than the rest of the data set. Um, but really, it's, you know, I'm always fascinated when I do the data cleaning um, to really understand how many well, really, how different each individual company is in their HR technology stack, right? I think we, as analysts, oftentimes kind of lump together these categories of people who are, you know, they all have this type of technology, or they're all innovative, or they're all, you know, sort of on older platforms. But there's such a wide mix in reality um, that I'm always fascinated to see, you know, how that kind of plays out in the things that organizations are able to do, both from an HR perspective and from a business perspective. 
Um, so we'll be having some data this year that shows, you know, did your systems that you had in place have an impact on some of the decisions you made from a, a, a HR perspective for managing the pandemic crisis? Or did the systems that you have in place, you know, have um, uh, an impact on, on your resiliency and being able to sort of um, see better outcomes over this year than other um, organizations in your industries? And it's very industry driven. So those are the kind of analysis that I'm starting to get into. So it's fun, but I will say a lot of late nights and spreadsheets. If I have missed an email or if you've emailed me recently and I haven't responded, please know it's just because my head's buried in spreadsheets right now. So, <laughs> And how about you, John? Are you, I mean, usually you have a big report coming out around HR tech as well. Are you in the midst of sort of diving deep into any one topic right now? Um, well, to tell you the truth, I am focused quite heavily on just a couple of a couple of projects, and this year's report is going to be significantly smaller um, than than usual, and that's because uh, everybody moved to solve. It's it's like there are many things that this is going to be true of, but everybody moved over to solve the COVID problem set um, and. Um, the AI stuff languished and and got more interesting at the same time, but it's pretty simple, really, what happened. And that is when all of the historical data ceased to mean anything in, in, in March, people started really rethinking um, what was going to be important about um, intelligence. And it turned out to be a move towards more conversational and search-oriented things and away from the predictive stuff in ML. Um, and so, so so that's the that's the sort of user-base evolution and thinking in the marketplace evolution is that is that you can't really do machine learning on small sample sizes, although Lord knows there are plenty of fools out there who are trying to. <laughs> but but yeah. you need you you need a lot of data to really make machine learning work. Um, and ten data points or a hundred data points isn't isn't adequate. But you can yeah. do some pretty interesting things with language. Um, and so so for my money, the shift has been uh, pretty straightforward. And the number of people who are doing sophisticated things with language. Um, beyond uh, a sort of an automated phone answering system for for recruiting, um, are, are there are not very many of those things yet, and they look more like VR and um, information management and uh, knowledge management than they look like other things. And so, yeah. so, 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 so it's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't know that anybody who is busy trying to figure out whether or not their doors are going to be open next week is really going to be thinking all that hard <laughs> about their next AI system. And so my guess is that next year things will really take a very different turn as a result of all this yeah. because, because yeah. we're all going to get to try to catch back up again next year. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, I think, you know, if the emphasis on language, because we have seen a lot of even articles about, you know, sort of the diversity of language and the, and, and the type of database you have for that language conversation and understanding 
um, conversational um, languages, um, and categorizing those languages, doing a better job of sort of sorting through data. You know, that, I think that's the kind of stuff that that you're talking about. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if the shift towards that gives us maybe a better path forward for how artificial intelligence can have an impact on human lives. I think so much of artificial intelligence previously was focused on giving you an answer, a better answer or a more sophisticated answer to something like selection or something like, you know, whether someone might stay in the organization. But if you shift towards this language conversation you're talking about, it might actually be that we can do a better job as individuals seeing how that data is going to be useful to us, right? It's more categorized, more more valuable because it, there's spent more time sort of understanding how the system can interact with humans. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. And, and there's sort of two levels to it too. I have, I have a friend who says the biggest problem in HR really is that none of the software has good search capability. So you can't find anything. If you're in HR, it's a pain in the to find anything. Because um, because none of the none of the vendors are really search appliance manufacturers, and the big search appliance manufacturers are all consumer oriented, so they don't understand the narrow categorization of business to business transactions. Right? There's a yeah. there's a kind of a depth thing that that consumer services myth is, and you can solve that. You can make everything much more searchable and much more intelligible, so that so that the interface between the human being and the data is more lively and more complex. Um, and you can start to see behavior um, inside of the organization by just understanding its language. And so that's one thing is, is the search aspect. And the other thing is the integration aspect. I, I, I think I believe that there are about 10,000 questions that HR asks and answers. Um, and you can have, it's, it's a finite number of questions, whatever it is. And you can have the company's answer for each one of those things. And you can have it in a way that solves the problem of all of the conflicting revisions of crap that are stuck in SharePoint archives all over the place. <laughs> you know, so, yes. so, so when you, when you go look it's for an answer, People, people get 10 answers, right? And, and you can consolidate that down to a single voice of the customer, of the organization. This so that's, that's so, Yeah. It, it will be exciting to see where it goes next year. I, I, I'm more excited about that kind of AI than I think I was about the, the answering question kind of AI, where it was, you know, I'm going to give you an answer and, and you kind of have to move it. Because so much of that was about um, judgment calls that if you didn't understand the language, the judgment calls could have been very far off, right? So I like this. This will be this will be good. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. So so that really takes us in, in the news list. Um, yeah. Vizier has added a bunch of new functionality. Well, Vizier is really becoming a, a sort of a solid citizen and um, the heart of people analytics. I wonder if if they understand that people analytics is going to go from hard data to squeezing nuance out of text, it'd be interesting to talk to them about that. 
Well, I, I think the base off of the things they said that they're going to do that are new this in this new release, they probably do um, because you know they're they're adding more what I would say is text based. Um, elements into their analysis work, it looks like. So the, they've got an email push, so sort of um, email connections from an analysis. They've got a cohort analysis, which is sort of uh, comparing different types of groups inside the organization, uh, more what-if models, which require more cataloging. So possibly, we'll see, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think this is more, you know, you know the, there's some search products out in the recruiting world where you can tune search results with, you know, maybe 10 variables. So you can control distance from the plant or um, ranking in the, in the system or um, relative level of qualification. You can tune all of those things so that you get, you get, the ability to search the entirety of the database rather than a little bit of it. And um, that'll come everywhere, right? You, then you'll be able to do that with employee records. And then you can start to see the patterns inside of the text data. That's the, yeah. that's sort of the holy grail, I think. Yeah, it's definitely a, a place where I think the analyst, analytics packages haven't invested a ton of time, right? That there's, um, you know, um, Workday has done their storytelling component, which which does a bit of that. And we we definitely seen, um, you know, uh, one source has tried to do a little bit in this tech space as well. But we've seen, I think, more of that coming out of the recruiting um, application areas, right? Um, the tech CEOs, those kind of guys, um, burning glass, right? Um, and it'll be interesting to see if we can can build that into the um, analytics applications because it's generally been a separate sort of analysis you run outside of your sort of hard data analysis, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the only way it gets into the sort of standard enterprise stuff is if the enterprise providers begin to understand that that the asset that is HR's data and HR's documentation um, isn't anything like fully exploited in the organization because it's so hard to find anything, <laughs> right? right? You go back to that. It's, it's so hard to find stuff. And um, when you start, it's like, it's like you've got this big garage full of HR data and you got to go in and clean it and put shells in and stuff. But once you get the shell, <laughs> Once you get the, the basic infrastructure in, you can do all sorts of things because now you can find stuff. And that's, yeah. I think that's the next horizon in, in HR a lot is making things easier to find and extracting insight from text. Yeah. I, I think in general, anytime the software helps make our lives easier. That's where we're seeing sort of, I think, the the the, the more higher levels of adoption. And that's, that's the real conversation about this, right? Because all the good technology in the world, all the AI isn't valuable if you aren't continuously feeding it, if you aren't continuously using it, if you're not making it a, a part of how you do your work. Um, another example of that this week is um, Salesforce launched 
a new AI-powered product for their field service workers. Um, the idea in general is that it's a suite of machine learning-powered tools um, that will help basically highlight where and when um, field service workers should uh, set up their appointments and do their scheduling and optimize their interaction with customers. So it's, it's been sort of positioned much more as a customer tool set, right? Um, but what is interesting is if you really look at it, it's, it's basically a workforce management scheduling and time optimization tool as well. Um, and it has intelligent scheduling and intelligent prioritization of jobs, which is a big part of sort of that human management capacity conversation. And a lot of time is spent with service workers on the scheduling aspect of this thing. I think you had a, a reaction to this is that this is going to um, create an environment where the individuals are going to be automated maybe at a level that seems a little bit um, big brotherish, um, which is a possible likelihood with something like this as well, right? So, but it's, but the idea is that this is a tool that would, should make things easier for the service professionals to at least figure out what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, right? I think, I think this is how Amazon manages its fleet, right? Every, every, every package has a timeline. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got, you've got 30 seconds to get to the door and back, um, right? And and every transaction is scheduled and measured and reported. And, and it's wonderful as a consumer to have access to that. It's brutal to work there, right? And and so so um, this is this is sort of Big Brother as a bully, um, and. Um, <laughs> You know, I I don't I I I think that's I think that's what's coming. I think I think um, a lot of people work in jobs where the fundamental management technique is bullying, um, and it shouldn't be a surprise that that's what we automated first because it's way easier to automate that than it is to automate something that's effective. Um, <laughs> Well, now that you made it all feel pretty, pretty horrible about our, our time management tools, but I get it. Yeah, it is. It is the the reality is that <laughs> these kind of dynamic automating tools can automate really bad behavior inside organizations, right? And you're right. It you know I think anybody who has gone through the process of automating a workforce um, from a scheduling perspective, um, they're calling it dynamic priority setting, right? or priority perspective knows that it's really easy to cross that line of basically being um, a totalitarian boss. <laughs> On the other hand, when done with the employee in mind, there is also ways for, um, I think, employees to input things that matter to them, locations they're going to be, the fact that they've got to, you know, pick up their child by three o'clock, so they want to have everything that they're doing near that particular location. Um, the opportunity maybe to deal with the more difficult kind of situations earlier in the day versus in the latter part of the day. Not saying that this tool does that by any means, haven't looked at it in detail, but I think the end vision, if this is done right, is to make these tools work for both the companies, the customers, and the employees. Um, those are some of the things that, you know, we're starting to see come out a little bit of the um, Uber technology and Lyft technology as those 
workforces start to push back on on what they're willing to do um, and what they're willing to to spend time on, right? Um, it will take time, and we're probably going to go very far in the wrong direction before we get there. But that's my hope of some of these tools and technologies. So that's, I get it. Well, well, a little bit of cherry on the picture. What a, what, what a, that, that's such a great vision. That is such a great vision. Um, <laughs> you should you should start talking about that. The idea the idea that uh, that that automation creates a world with greater flexibility for people is. Um, that's awesome. That's just awesome. That's awesome. I'd like you to work out. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> it would. It would. I would love to work out that with you. I, I have a hope that someday we'll all live in, in the, the the Star Trek world that I you know envisioned when I was a child. So that's where. We're at. But we're still here in this day to day environment as we're in today, and there's still a lot of other. I mean. Besides that kind of stuff, we still have sort of the basic things going on in the HR tech space. Um, there was an announcement this week that PeopleFluent LMS um, is enhancing their user experience and reporting capabilities. And I think, you know, this one sort of hit me a little bit with, oh, another, just, just upgrade to your user experience and reporting capabilities seems so far away from all the AI stuff we were just talking about, right? Like, like our basic systems are still struggling. Uh, PeopleFluent's a tough one because you kind of have to wonder, which LMS are they talking about? Um, LTG, which is the parent company for PeopleFluent, acquired um, early days, um, CertPoint, they acquired uh, Net Dimensions, they acquired um, uh, Blackboard's Open LMS platform. So there's multiple um, types of technology inside there, as well as the learning um, uh, platform by Rusushi Software um, called Watershed. Um, which is more of a, an LR, um, a, a learning repository. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's been updated based off of reading this. Um, uh, they, it sounds like they've basically just improved maybe some of the integration and the overlays on it. But it, it sort of set me, you know, sort of reading it back to the fact that as much as we all want to talk about where the future is taking us, more than 50%, more than 50% of the organizations that I survey are still on pretty old technology that's really just being sort of minimally updated right now to improve the experience, right? So it's, it's right. interesting to see it continue to happen. That's, that's, I, I, I'm dying for you to finish your work because I'd love to know how that investment in technology runs across industries. That that that'd be fascinating, and geographies would probably be good to see as well. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. so what you're what you're telling me here is that people fluent is still alive. That's great. That's <laughs> great news. That's great news. We don't hear much from them any longer, and and so um, this this release is an interesting pulse from a part of the economy that I didn't know was still operating. Um, yeah, with quite a number of customers still, yeah. So so um, I think, you know, we saw a lot of these organizations, uh, some total and Skillsoft is another one that aggregated up a lot of little players in the learning and sort of performance space from the early days. And they're still sort of limping along. And what's nice to see is that, you know, they are trying to figure out how they build a more um, cohesive experience for their users. Um, which means that you know people are less likely to jump automatically to new products right away. So, like you said, it's still alive, still out there. 
Good. What else is in the news? Let's let's do a couple more. Well, we, we you know obviously we have to take a little bit of um, notice of what you know if we're continuing on the the learning space. There is, um, a, I'm not sure they terribly love their name, but it's called the eLearning Brothers. But it's it's a, uh, a an authoring tool for virtual reality training environments, and they've just launched a 3D modeling, basically allowing you to sort of insert 3D modeling into your your sort of virtual reality um, environments. Probably the interesting thing about that is that we're seeing more and more of this kind of um, rethinking the idea of what virtual reality and 3D can do for the training space. Um, but we're also seeing, you know, I think some interesting stuff come out of the COVID and, you know, conversation, which is uh, we had our tech startup um, launching a company called Solarium um, has launched an HR solution for their COVID-free workplace. Again, not surprising. It's a new sort of called Face Pass, which is basically a new time clock system uh, that, you know, makes sure that your temperature is checked and makes sure that you um, you know, um, are getting checked in without touching anything. But they've now added the additional item that you can't actually clock in unless you're wearing a mask in certain environments. So sort of that added additional idea that we're going to continue to automate safety inside of organizations. Um, and we obviously can't um, wrap up today without mentioning what's going on on the uh, front of um, social reforms, uh, diversity and inclusion conversations, uh, Workday had a great announcement this week um, where they are launching what they're calling their new Vibe solution, which is a uh, value inclusion, belonging, and equity product in this uh, environment. So lots of good news there, um, uh, countering some of the news we're hearing this week about, you know, how uh, diversity training might be being cut in the federal agencies and those kind of things. I think, you know, the market is starting to see companies um, try and, and step up in certain places where we may not be um, taking that step in, in other areas of our uh, communities. So uh, a couple of new things. Is there any one of those topics you want to chat about before we wrap up today? Well, you, you know, um, we probably can't close this out without seriously noticing that the fundamental thing that I was trained that America was about, which is equal opportunity for everybody, has been declared unpatriotic by the president of the company, of the country. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a um, little hard to take. I, <laughs> I will admit, I wasn't quite sure how to, how to talk about it this morning. And, and, you know, I really enjoyed seeing what Workday was doing. I was like, oh, this is great news. And it just fell on the back of sort of a a really hard memo to read um, uh, about a workplace environment that um, hundreds of thousands of employees across the world work in um, and the training that, that they're either allowed or not allowed to have access to. So, yeah, it's um, it just, just, you just feel like you're, you're living in sort of a split reality sometimes, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's like, it really is as gloomy and doomy as it is out my window this morning. <laughs> oh, thank you. Birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Workday has definitely put, put a little bit of light. I uh, don't know if they picked this week to, to launch um, specifically or prior to knowing what was going to happen in the government, but um, they definitely, um, I, I think what was nice to see about the Workday announcement was that um, 
they they took a very measured approach to this conversation. And we saw a lot of organizations early days and and sort of the early um, uh, timeframes around these conversations rush out with announcements about what they were going to do from an action perspective and how they were going to address it. Um, you know, there is a, a real need inside of our organizations to um, have a conversation about um, equity and, and fairness, but also about the fact that, that there was a, a, a need to have a conversation about what was happening in the Black Lives Matter community. Um, and so we saw a lot of organizations take those steps, some in, in good ways, some in not so good ways. Um, Workday took their own steps, but I think, you know, they also um, took a step back and said, what can we as an organization do to um, ensure that we are making this a continued conversation in our organization, which I, I appreciate. Um, of course, there's work that they're, they're promising to do that we wish they would have done earlier. Um, so they've got some, some details in here about the fact that they are um, uh, Along with launching this product vibe, along with an, you know enhancing their um, internal technology to ensure that it it has sort of an index around things like belonging and equity beyond just diversity numbers. Um, they're also so that's that's um, that's, 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 that, 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 that's good. That's good. We're running right up against oh. our time, Stacey. Yeah. Uh, 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 so um, good on workday. Nice job. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> thanks thanks again for doing this remarkable conversation as always and thanks everybody for tuning in to HR Tech Weekly one step closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter see you back here next week bye bye now thanks everyone bye